Good morning and welcome. It's that time once again, the Patriot Radio News Hour. Happy Monday. I hope all of you survived the monsoon storm that, uh, well, hit the valley. Some sad news up uh, up north. A flash flood uh, wiped away. I think it's now, I think it's, I don't know if it's official yet, but I know nine people dead, but I think it's going to be ten. There, there was one still missing. Uh, where water just came out of nowhere. Uh, just one of those things where I think it was a forest fire had devastated the area, and then a big storm came, and people were at a local swimming hole, and literally in a matter of seconds, hundreds of feet of water, for I, I guess it rained for uh, several hours, just wiped people away. Be careful out there. Uh, I hope this day finds you well. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Training Group. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The physical delivery of gold and silver wealth insurance. It is what we do. We've been doing it now for over 20 years right here. Keeping you all comfortably disturbed. The website at allamericangold.com. Uh, just a couple of program announcements. Uh, we are done. The medals plans, the last, I think there were three people left. The last three people will go out today. Uh, we are completely done with those. Uh, we are behind on shipping. By the end of the week, we will be all caught up. Just summer is here in full effect. Both the, the Bullion Bank, the our, the largest distributor, are working uh, very skeleton crews. So uh, sometimes, now, normally when we request shipping, it happens like that day. Worst case scenario, the next day. Uh, now taking anywhere, it can take anywhere from three to five days, uh, just depending. But bear with us, everything is coming out and you'll be, uh, I guess you'll just be happy when it gets there. It's on its way. So anyway, enough with that. Let's get on with the show you know, something happened that I, I actually thought was a joke, but it wasn't. An airline, an airplane, had to make an emergency landing because somebody farted. I'm not kidding. Uh, I don't, apparently, this is how sensitive we've all become. The, I don't know, I guess the aroma had made people ill on the flight, or they said they were going to be ill, or uh, people were getting headaches, and they had (laughs) an emergency. How would you like to be that person? I mean, was it a loud one? Was it a silent one? I don't know, but I just was like, really? Come on. But then again, you know what? It's the airlines, and and it's just, it's all nasty. I don't know. You know what? Quite honestly, if I don't have to fly, I don't. I mean, isn't that how more and more people are anymore? I mean, who wants to get on the airplane? Nobody. I mean, it's just, you know, and it used to be one of those things, you know, flying was a big deal, and now it's just, let's face it, we're all treated like like cattle anymore anyway, but uh, I just, <laughs> I don't know what you thought. I just was like, man, I'm glad I'm not on that flight. Right? How would you like to be the person sitting next to him? Uh, by the way, we're going to do, uh, we've got a new blog coming up this week. It's going to be talking about the uh, the 
American economy, the the side hustle and the like. We're going to have a great feature all about all of that. That should be up uh, before the end of the week. Uh, but I did want to touch on a few things. One of them is going to be the new law that is coming to New York. And it's probably going to spread across the country. And it's really something kind of how we talked about way back when. we would, And I know Eric used to talk about it all the time, that the fast food worker was going to have to replace Right, the manufacturing, the car builder, you know, the air condition builders, the you know, the the places where when we used to buy, uh, build things here, and and here's a law that is coming to New York. It's going to go into effect later this year. It bans on-call scheduling for retail workers and require retail employers to give their workers not less than 72-hour notice of work schedule. Right, So you got to have at least three days' notice for the work schedule. Fast food employers to be paid premium wages. And the uh, work schedules are changed less than 14 days ahead of time. I want to read that to you again. Yes, you need to pay your employees premium wages. I'm not sure what premium is, but let's just say uh, it's going to be more than what they were making. I guess maybe time and a half. If you change a work schedule within two weeks, and oh, by the way, they also want all schedules to be posted two weeks at a minimum ahead of time. Prohibit uh, employers from making their employers work consecutive work shifts involving both the closing and the opening of a restaurant. Require fast food employers to offer work shifts to current employees before hiring additional employees. We're going to talk about that, what it means, and a whole bunch of other real good stuff. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Patriot Radio News Hour. This is what happens. These used to be, and this whole wall, is all about part-time retail and fast food jobs. And these were jobs that, let's face it, you did them. Mostly there was, what, kids, younger people that were, hey, I'm going to school and I just need to make a few bucks. Yeah, sometimes I work, sometimes I don't, sometimes they call me and say, hey, don't come in today, we're slow. Sometimes I go to work, and it's not busy, and my boss sends me home. 
I never know when I'm going to work from week to week. And now, uh, starting in New York, all that's gone. I mean, and, and of course, let's say, how do you how do you work? How do you open up a restaurant or a retail establishment if this is law? By the way, any establishment that has 20 or more employees. You now need to follow this law that uh, it's going to take effect in November. And and I just wonder if that's going to lead to a, a huge move by the at least the major ones. I forgot, you know, forget about the mom and pop guys. How can they afford stuff like that? I mean, can you imagine, hey, I'm not busy today. I need to send people home. But wait, I can't. <laughs> I've got to keep paying them. Because the law says so, what that's going to do. But this is what has happened. Because there are no, there's not enough good jobs anymore. And and I know it, it's it's hard when you sit there and you're looking at you know Wall Street's at all time highs and, and and people want to pretend things are great and wonderful and nobody cares about budget deficits anymore and all of those things. And then. I was reading the Arizona Republic. This was in yesterday's paper. And and it starts with a headline, Evicted Renters Have Few Options. I was like, okay, yeah, you're... But if you're getting evicted, you probably do have few options. But it actually went on to describe what is happening all over the country. Ken Sumner stepped through the debris of yet another unexpected move. He weaved around the two men backing a truck through their friend's barren yard, past the speaker system and stacks of framed photographs, moving towards the front door for his fifth eviction of the day. The man being evicted waited alone. How's it looking, Davin? Asked Sumner, 53. He checked his watch. A blacksmith was on the way. You're going to be able to get it all out. We've almost got it all, said Davin Smith, as he disappeared in the house with a uh, coming out with another box. Sumner followed him inside and hung an orange sticker in the front window. This property has been seized by the Maricopa County uh, Constable's Office. And and then the story goes on to talk about, you know, how rising rent prices, cheap housing being demolished, and that Americans are being evicted at a record pace. And you're thinking about this is this is our this is our great recovery. As the country fell into and climbed out of the Great Recession, eviction rates continue to rise, growing into the steady rhythm of American poverty. In nineteen ninety six, five thousand five hundred and forty two evictions were filed in the Maricopa County Justice Courts. Those same number of courts, or those same courts, processed 
22,231 evictions in 2016. More than one-third of American renter households spent more than 30% of their income on rent, right? And, of course, what's the problem here? We, we talk about rent being too high, incomes are, are being too low. You kind of look at what New York's trying to do, and it all starts to make sense. And they talk about how these constables, they ran for office and thought that he would be, you know, out there doing good for the the county that he grew up in. He won election in 2013, a precinct in West Phoenix, tasked with carrying out whatever orders the justice courts handed down. There was an occasional restraining order and maybe a subpoena. But as the affordable housing crisis has worsened, it means that most everything he now does is eviction. Most days he serves more evictions than fellow constables in rural counties did each year. Four years and 7,000 evictions later, Sumner still reminds himself that there were no bad guys in evictions, just missed payments and broken contracts. And they go on to say that how this is, this is the new constable job in Arizona. Right? Eviction. And they talk about how uh, the, the patient, you think about it, we went from 5,000 evictions to 22,000. And this is happening right here, right now. You know, and I think about it, and we're, you know, and I said to, to to Wendy, and I said it to Arlene last week. I've said it to my wife. It just seems like there's more homeless people than I ever remember. And then you know, you start piecing all of these things together. You you think about 44 million Americans with their side hustle, right? That we have to work two jobs. It wasn't, you know, it, it really two jobs, three jobs, and all of these. This whole article is littered with stories about how, uh, you know, people lost their one of their jobs, and they could no longer afford to make ends meet. And you know, you think really about all the things that have happened, all the people that lost their home during the Great Recession, and what happened. Where did all those homes go? And miraculously, they got what? They got bought up by Wall Street. Right? And a lot of these homes were what? Were kind of the lower middle class, middle class. I mean, they really, well, it was everywhere. But they got bought up by the thousands. And now we live in a society where more and more people are renting and more and more people are being evicted than ever before. Then you think about what happened in, in Illinois the other day. The next paycheck you receive if you work in Illinois is going to have a little bit less money in it. In case you missed it, 
Illinois' individual income tax rate is now 4.95%. For a household with an annual income of $100,000, which if you're making $100,000 in Chicago, yeah, you're not living high in the hall. And the problem is, it's not even Chicago, it's a whole state. That means an increase in income tax of 1200 bucks to $4,950. Think about that. You're making a hundred grand. 5% goes to Illinois, right? Then you got to pay your federal income taxes, right? So that's at least, what, 25, 28 to 33%. And next thing you know, you're sitting there and you're going to work and, and 40% of your paycheck's gone. Well, it could be worse. I mean, right? Some places in California, if you make enough, it's over 50. It averages out to another $23 a week for Illinois residents. By the way, Social Security, we talked about that. You know, you're going to get an increase, I guess, starting, uh, I don't know when that starts, if that's October 1st or if that's January 1st, but they're saying you're going to get an extra $28. That was the latest, $28, but if you live in Illinois and you lose $23 a week, then I guess you're, well, you're no further ahead. And it says that Illinois got into the mess and blah, 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 and they go on to talk about how they haven't fixed anything, but this is it. This is the the big issue when you look at where we sit right now. The federal budget deficit right now, all the new numbers now, it's going to be $700 billion. And we talked about how we thought it was a timing issue. Then over the weekend, the government admitted now, actually, it wasn't so much a timing issue as we made a math error. And the math error was they understated how much it was going to cost to pay for a bunch of these benefits. Well, and a lot of this was uh, veterans' pay and things of that nature. And now they said that's a $250 billion mistake that's going to be added on to this year's debt and next year's debt. And, of course, probably added on, what, for the next 10 years, but why tell us about that? And then you start thinking about the number one thing that county constables do is serve eviction notices. How did we get here? (laughs) He serves, he says, somewhere along the line of eight a day, every day. And you start thinking about the lack of pay. And, and on a lot of these evictions, you know, when you're when you're looking into them, it's not that people aren't working. Some of them are right, hey, I don't have a job. But most of them involve people where somebody's still working, and it's just not enough. And then you go out and you look at these states like New York. I, it's well-intended. Right? These people need their hours. If you cut their hours, they're not going to be able to pay their rent. But what's a business owner supposed to do if the hours aren't there? What do you do? And this is kind of the, the whole dilemma, and this is where all of these things that the whole jobs market 
has been based upon and all these jobs created, and I keep talking about it over and over and over again, right? You cannot make a living if the only jobs we're creating are waiters and waitresses and bartenders. It just doesn't work. Right? The vast majority of jobs now are these side hustle jobs, right? Working for Uber or Lyft. Right? That's great for for what? A uh I don't know, a a second income. But when that second income is needed to provide what used to be a basic income, now you got a problem. Right? We talked about it last week. One generation before me, my parents. One person worked in the vast majority of households where I live. My generation, both people work. That has been the norm. I look at all of my friends. I look at all the people we hang out with. And by by far, and I, I would say upwards of 75 to 85% of everybody I know that you know, I would consider to be friends of mine. Both people are working. My kids, that's not going to be enough. Both people are going to have to work multiple jobs. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Now we know why the Fourth Circuit of the U.S. Court of Appeals took the unusual step of going en banc on its initial hearing of the appeal of President Trump's so-called travel ban. The court is stacked 10 to 5 with liberal Democratic nominees among its active judges, and by convening en banc with all judges and not just a panel of three, it ensured a lopsided ruling against President Trump on his executive order. On appeal was Executive Order Number 13,780, which was issued by President Donald Trump on March 6, 2017, to protect our national security against hostile visitors from other countries. The executive order suspended temporarily the entry into our country of non-Americans from six countries that are hotbeds of terrorism. On Thursday, May 25, all ten Democratic nominees voted against the executive order by Republican President Donald Trump, and all three Republican nominees voted in favor of it, with two absent due to recusal. With such a uniformly partisan outcome, one wonders what all the legal briefs were for. The reasoning used by the Democratic supermajority of judges was even more alarming. The Fourth Circuit dug deep into campaign statements made by candidate Trump, a campaign spokesman, and one of his surrogates in order to declare past and future actions by Trump as president to be unconstitutional and void. One might wonder why a statement by a campaign spokesman would ever be admissible in a court proceeding to consider the constitutionality of an executive order. A Trump spokeswoman once told CNN, We've allowed this propaganda to spread all through the country that Islam is a religion of peace, and the Fourth Circuit relied on that statement and others as their basis. 
A trial judge would not ordinarily allow such hearsay to be admitted in an everyday trial, so why is a court of appeals basing its review of a presidential action on what talking heads say on CNN? Those statements were not under oath, were not subject to cross-examination, and lack the reliability and credibility usually required by a court of law. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, Patriot Radio News Hour. Our toll free number 800-951-0592. As we have hit an all-time record high of 22,000-plus evictions. And it's not funny, but, I mean, it really it does make sense. When you start thinking about what's really happening, I guess, underneath the surface. You know, all as we've done is we we put out a big uh, bailout of the wealthy because that's a you know let's call it what it is. This is what the Federal Reserve did. They bailed out the wealthy. They didn't bail out everybody else, right? They didn't send you a check, right, for your mortgage. No, they didn't do that. They sent a check to the bank for your mortgage. They didn't give you credit for it. Right, and they got all these ultra low interest rates, and we've talked about how earnings earnings are no better today than they were five, six, seven years ago. Only thing that's better, I guess, is the price to earnings multiples. State budget becoming more of a problem now. Some 33 out of the 50 states reported lower revenues than initially projected in the latest fiscal year. 33 out of 50. It's the highest number of states to come up short since the recession decimated budgets in 2010. According to the National Association of State Budgets, Connecticut and Pennsylvania, amongst the hardest hit, were widening ongoing budget gaps leading to, to disputes on how to close them. Energy states, including Alaska, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Wyoming, have seen revenues dry up. Fifteen states' tax revenues took a hit after lawmakers slashed income taxes. The biggest drop came in Ohio, which uh, left the state with $1.1 billion in less revenue. Of course, Illinois is on that list. It says at least 23 states had already made mid-year budget cuts. One of the changes is, that is happening, of course, related to the Affordable Care Act, which, by the way, now that legislation on hold the uh, McCain, Senator McCain here from Arizona had a blood clot removed from above his eye. 
and is going to be out of action for at least a week, maybe two, and they can't vote without him. Right? Because remember, they, they only they need all they got fifty two senators. Two of them are already a no. And actually I think really and I'm hearing that there's eight to ten of them that are not gonna vote for him. just no one wants to come out on record to be that person. So they're not going to vote to vote on it because without McCain they couldn't even get to fifty. So we'll have to wait and see. But this is another big problem with all of this is is the Medicaid payments. You know, when you think about, okay, now now we're we're in a society where foreclo- or foreclosures, not foreclosures anymore, because no one really buys homes anymore. Uh, the eviction notices, right? The constables are spending their entire day. Right, five days a week, just sending out eviction notices and locking people out of their apartments or their homes or whatever it may be. One out of every two babies born in this country is uh, is essentially paid for by the taxpayer through Medicaid. Now we have the the trying to repeal Obamacare, one of the biggest issues and why all of these Republican senators don't want to come out and say I'm for repeal is because their states are going to lose a bunch of money. Really, that's what it's all about. Well, if I vote yes, now I'm going to have a billion dollars less or $800 million or $400 million or $100 million depending on the size. And they're like, we don't have the money. I'm one of those 33 states where we didn't we didn't get as much money as we thought. The economy wasn't as good as we were hoping for already. We need that money, and of course, you know it's so hard to if you never gave it to them to begin with, right? They what they would have figured it out a different way. But once you give it to them, it's so hard to get it back from them. But don't be fooled. This is what all of that is all about. Which is, wait a minute, if I vote for this thing, the state's not going to get enough money, and all of a sudden we're going to have a huge budget problem. Right? And unlike the federal government, they don't have a printing press. How about this one? I just saw this in, uh, what is this? I think it was the USA Today. Price for the new iPhone. They're making iPhone 10. I reported, I think it was three weeks ago, I said I thought the price was going to be $1,000. Now they're saying the price of the new phone will be 1400 bucks. <laughs> and I'm reading these, the article about these evictions, and these are people, they're paying 800 $900 a month in, in rent, and they can't afford that, but yet we're going to be able to pay $1,400 for the new iPhone 10. And according to Apple, they're going to fly off the shelves. I guess it's going to be the, well, I guess it's the number 10, the, the 10th edition of the phone, and I don't know, I guess, I don't know what cost, 1400 bucks. It's a phone. Don't worry, though. Here's what they'll do. Well, you can make 700 easy payments. 
of $25 a month. We'll just put it on top of your bill. It'll be fine. I mean, this is really kind of what it is. So, you know what? We rent our cars, right, through all the leasing and all of that stuff. Now we're going to be renting our phones, right? We're renting our the place where we live. We just turned into one big, giant country of renters. And then I start thinking about, you know what? I wonder if you put the eviction notices. Because, you know, there's foreclosures still. Have, not, not nearly as many, right? Foreclosures are way down. But if you took the eviction notices and the foreclosures and you added them up, where would we be? I mean, I would hope that number would be better than with the, the, the height of the Great Depression. But according to the Arizona Republic, we're at the highest levels of, of eviction notices that the state has ever seen. I don't know. Crazy, right? It's crazy time. $1,400 for a phone. Patriot Radio News Hour. Would you rather have a phone or a $20 gold piece and some change? I'm afraid of what that answer may be. Patriot Radio News. We'll be back right after the break. Gold up 6 $1,233 in change. Silver's up 17 $16.12 right now as we pretty much recovered from the silver crash. You know, they, they, they did twice in the last three weeks they had a crash. Once in the gold markets, once in the silver markets, you know, and whether it was a fat finger or a bad algorithm or whatever it may be. Uh, and I think you're going to see uh, both of those overcome. And, again, we're going to be looking at new all-time highs uh, before the year is out. Well, not all-time. Let me, let's hope not. Let's, <laughs> let's hope that really doesn't happen. We don't want that. But I think we're going to see uh, new year highs uh, before the end of the year as all of the, the data, especially the latest round of data, was pointing to a much slower economy than they were hoping for. You know, the federal budget deficit caught people off guard. Uh, and, and then to find out over the weekend that uh, the increase wasn't a timing issue. It was a math mistake. In other words, hey, that debt was there the whole time. <laughs> and they just missed it. And, and of course, we'll put the, the year's number over the 700 billion dollar level and of course that is still the what we'll call the fake number the made for tv number and then today we learned 33 of the 50 states had some uh have budget shortfalls in other words tax revenue wasn't what they were hoping is the same thing at the federal level the same uh answer was given which was tax revenues were light they're increasing, but they're barely increasing. And now you're looking at all of these costs that continue to to skyrocket out of control, and you're kind of left with, hey, this is the reason why we put some insurance away. Right? In case they can't keep the debt under control. And like I said, we're getting ready to enter that, that nasty period, right, where they just rise. 
because of all of the, whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare or Medicaid or whatever other government assistance program. You know, you look at it, we still got 40-some million people on food stamps, even though we're at the full employment. I mean, we're at full employment. Just ask them. Ask any of them. They'll tell you. They're all excited to tell you that they're at full employment. Right? They're all excited to say, hey, we think wages are going to run. We don't know when, but soon. But we're not at full employment. We haven't been. Right? They just don't count people. Well, you know what? You've been unemployed for this. You don't count. Well, you've got a job. I know you're only working four hours a week, but you don't count. Right? And when you get enough people that you decide you don't want to count, you make it look a whole lot better than what it is. Right? Same thing goes, you know, you look at these eviction notices. How, especially in this town, right? We're one of the better places. I mean, look around, right? We're building stuff. Boy, and I will tell you, man, have we built a lot of apartments. Seems like that's all they're building. But then to find out, listen, 22,000 evictions. <laughs> right? And you start doing the math, you start multiplying that times 50 states, you multiply by all these other cities, and all of a sudden you're like, man, we're, we're evicting people by the million. U.S. $20 liberties, one through nine, are at $1,315. So you're still well under $100 over spot. You buy 10 or more, we'll take them down to 1300 which puts you at right about 68 or $67 over spot. Take advantage of the, I mean, these these prices aren't going to stay here for much longer at 800 Nine five one zero five nine two. Put them away, and we want to listen. This is this is exactly why you started putting it away five years ago. Why you started putting them away, putting gold away ten years ago, twenty years ago, right? You started to look at what was really happening, right? We are trying to create prosperity through a printing press. Period. Right? The government started running bigger and bigger deficits. They started taxing the citizenry more and more. I mean, think about, we're going to spend over $4 trillion. $4 trillion. We're going to bring in over $3 trillion, and it's still not enough. You know what the sad thing is? Is we know that if the government brought in $4 trillion, Right? They'd just spend five or six. If you bring in five or six, they're going to spend seven or eight. And now all of the states are starting to buckle. I mean, well, not all of them. You're right. It's only 33 out of 50 that buckled this year. Right? Remember what Arizona did, right? How we got to, to pretend it's okay. Yeah, we're just... <laughs> We're just not going to start, you know, putting the money we're supposed to into the pension system, right? We already know, look at Illinois, how that's going to work. And then you think about jobs, right? You know I'm right. You know when your parents were working, right, most of you grew up in a household where one parent worked 
Or if you didn't grow up in a household where one parent worked, you knew, hey, a lot of my friends, only one parent worked. Now I now you look at your generation like, oh, you know what? Yeah. The exception to the rule is the one or two friends you have where only dad works or only mom works. And now we're finding out with the millennials, guess what the new millennial way is? Everyone's working side hustle. Right? I got two and three jobs. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. I know you're sleeping. It's time to wake up. It's here. Trust me, the last people that are going to know it are Janet Yellen in Wall Street. This is out of the New York Post. If you ever wonder just how detached Washington is, all you had to do was tune into the Fed chief Janet Yellen's semi-annual trip to the Capitol. <laughs> well, that was tough to tough to watch. That's not a great TV show. Let's just leave it at that. There they were. Yellens and members of Congress yucking it up utterly blind to the real financial pressures ordinary, regular Americans feel each and every day. In recent years, Yellen has become the poster child for being out of touch with Main Street. Let's start with the basics, like her interpretation of inflation, which she bases on the opaque and completely outdated model used for 20 years, the Consumer Price Index. Well, there's a reason why they use it, right? It's so they can live in denial. Look at it this way. In the real world, Three of the largest expenses nowadays for the average American family, housing, health care, and their kids' college education, are all skyrocketing. Right? We talked about that on, the, on Friday. Yet Yellen claims there was essentially no inflation. With this unschooled statement, inflation has been below 2% for many years. Sure, the CPI figure supports this claim, but isn't the Fed supposed to do its own research? A bad ruler is going to give you a bad measurement every time. There are 20.5 million kids in college today, according to the National Center for Education. According to the College Board from 1985, to 2012, the overall CPI rose 115%, Well, college has risen by nearly 500%. Healthcare costs are a complete disaster today. It says that the average family of four pays a cost of $11,685. Coming out of each employee's pocket, not to mention the employer. And for those without subsidies, the average cost of an Obamacare plan for a family of four was $18,182 in 2016, 
plus a 25% average bump in the cost for 2017. And yet the Fed sees no inflation. Maybe Yellen should spend some time with average Americans to revise her statement. Listen, again, I keep trying to tell you, it's not for you. It's not for me. It's not for us. It's Wall Street welfare. You need to call it what it is. Listen, this is why our founding fathers didn't want these people in charge. This is why they wanted our currency to be gold and silver. U.S. $20 liberties, one through nine at thirteen fifty, ten or more, thirteen hundred at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Take care. Have a great rest of your day.